Don't be afraid to tap out. If you're burnout, be attuned to what's going on with you and around you. And there are times that there are things that are gonna happen and it's gonna feel like your world is collapsing. It's okay to tap out. Give yourself time to just like scream, cry, whatever. Like give yourself the time and the space to do that. If there's one person who I think embodies grit and resilience, that's Meredith. On this episode of Positive AF, I sit down with Meredith, founder of Caridad, on a mission to humanize the homeless. She talks about her personal story of facing homelessness in San Diego. She started Caridad to advocate and tell true stories from the streets. Meredith takes us through 10 years of Caridad's operations, through extraordinary stories, funding cuts, legal battles, and iterations of business models. She talks us through exactly what it took to sustain her mission. You are listening to Positive AF, the show where we highlight positive action first. Today, I'm here with Meredith, the founder and chief kindness officer of Carrie Dad, on a mission to humanize the homeless. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I want to open up with some gratitude. Can you tell me something that you're grateful for today? Oh my goodness. I actually am really, really excited um, about so much. We just had some big donations this weekend. So I want to give a shout out to uh, Shine Foundation, Arnold Stock donated, and also to Caesars Foundation. Um, They were two big donors this week. So thank you. Thank you. Um, for Oh, and how could I forget Ken Bracken? So those are three people that have given large donations this week to help our mission. So I'm thankful for them. Amazing. So awesome. Love the shout outs. Thank you to all of them pushing your mission forward. I want to understand more about why you're doing what you're doing and your story. Would you mind sharing with us? Sure. So I started the organization Caridad in 2010 in San Diego, and I dealt with homelessness myself. I was homeless in San Diego. I have a master's degree and um, thought if it could happen to me, it could happen to anybody. And not everyone that's homeless um, has the ability to do this. So I wanted to give homelessness a voice and a face, which is why we uh, picked Humanizing the Homeless. And it's funny, the name actually, uh, Caridad, it's Spanish. It just means charity or charity from the heart because I couldn't think of a name. So <laughs> I named my charity, Charity. But so started in San Diego, we did sock and underwear drives and we donated specifically to homeless agencies. That drive is called Undies Sunday. We still do that to this day. Um, and then wanted to do advocacy. So I say that's part one. And I always joked with my homeless friends on the streets. I was like, I'm not going to be one of those sad charities that shows, you know, just the bearded old guy on the street. I'll tell our stories. And so that's always been my commitment um, as as us as an organization. Our, our mission in those humanizing the homeless has been to tell those true stories of from the streets. So that was San Diego. Uh, My husband and I moved, I got married. My husband and I moved to Las Vegas in 2013, um, started working for the downtown project here uh, in downtown Las Vegas and got hired by the downtown Rangers to do homeless services for them. So I took on during that time, the responsibility as federal lead. I have experience in the past working on federal campaigns, Um, took the federal lead on ending homelessness and the downtown project owns 16 blocks of downtown. Their mission is to, to develop those 16 blocks and, and invest in community. And so as my role increased in the community, 
we were seeing that more and more that it wasn't a good fit. So we parted ways friends. They helped me bring the charity here, do all the paperwork and were my first donors. Um, and I, I joke that that's a 2.0 version. And so we got um, contracts for service to provide street outreach. Um, so that's literally going out on the streets and offering services to the homeless that we'd encountered. I'm big on customer service. So I cross-trained our team in customer service. And then now we're on the 3.0 version. We ended up losing those contracts for service. And then back to our friends at uh, DTP, the Ferguson's downtown, which is a DTP company. They reached out to us. They had purchased a freight farm, which is an indoor hydroponic uh, farm in a shipping container that they had purchased and it was not operational. And they said, hey, would you want to lease this and be a partner? And if you keep it a homeless jobs program, we'll let you lease it for free. So we took that on uh, when I was actually on full shut down and we didn't have funding and then in this last year 2019 um we raised enough funding to fix it and bring people back on veterans day we had a ribbon cutting and then it is now june and we have produce we sold our first crops and so what we did is we reached around to all the different uh partnering homeless agencies in las vegas the one that got back and said that we will guarantee your employees housing while they're in your program was us vets so we hire formerly homeless veterans we teach them gardening and we help reintegrate them back into the workforce so a lot of them have not had jobs for a year to up to we just hired someone that hasn't worked for 10 years wow wow thank you for taking us through that journey and so many different iterations of caridad in that span how many years did you just take me through there that was uh, 10 years. We just celebrated 10 years this last April, but the world shut down. So our party that we planned is postponed. So we're going oh. through an 11 year party. <laughs> well, it's going to be just one huge party for everybody when we reopen the world. Pretty Yes, much. we can't wait. <laughs> through all of the different iterations of your organization, you've explained to me different struggles and ups and downs that you've encountered. What was the biggest challenge in carrying out your mission in these past 10 years? Well, definitely changing our mission and our structure was not easy. We've gone from being a volunteer organization, which was what San Diego was in advocacy, um, to what we are today of the gardening. And we have, as of today, a team of 10 and by the end of next week we'll have a team of 14 so it's very very different and most organizations especially in the charity world don't change that quickly so i'm not gonna lie and say it was easy it was painful and at times it was really rocky but i feel like we've learned a lot over the years and i have a great board that support me um, and i try to surround myself both my our board and our advisory board people that possess skills that I don't and that can also pull me back when I go too many directions and say you know this isn't in line with who we are and what we're trying to do so I think definitely just changing and revamping and even the outreach that was my baby and I loved um, to even get rid of that like for me that was almost like a death um, and to finally because of funding our funding got cut uh, to even get rid of our office I, I cried more over I think the office loss because what it symbolized was the death of our outreach program wow what a journey you've been able to help so many people along the way now can you take me through the step-by-step -step process Teddy dad uses to help someone sure so it's a little bit different so we do still have a few clients that we service that are on the streets 
and literally homeless. So it's gonna look different than what we do for our guys and gals, our veterans that we hire. So in the street homeless, we partner with Clark County Social Service and there's a housing assessment that we do. And so we would do that assessment with them and it's psychosocial, behavioral factors, environmental factors, it takes in all that and it's a vulnerability tool that we use. And then that automatically puts them on the housing list. So in the moment, we do the assessment and then try to meet what their need is in that immediate moment. So figure out like somebody might say, I need food, but really what they're saying is like, I lost my food stamp card and I just need to get help reordering that. So just trying to figure out what's at the root of what's really asking and meet that immediate need. Everyone that we've trained that's a lead is trained to have those conversations on housing and diversion. So think of somebody might say, I'm homeless. I don't have a place but they might have a relative or something that they could connect with and they could take them for a week or two. So it's just figuring that out with the person in that moment when they're in crisis of what can we do right now to help you and get you indoors. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the street outreach. Then with the vets, same thing we do in intake um, and we process all that. We get a release of information signed, even though we're all in the same data management system as their case managers at us vets, we still have them sign a release um, to get their permission. So we do that. And then we meet with the case managers um, once a month, then we touch base with them. But again, we hire them, we do a proper training with them. And then we meet with the case managers once a month to touch base and see how they're doing or if they need any support from us. And in the in-between time before that monthly meeting, their case managers are available to us if we have any behavioral issues or need support from them as well. So it's more holistic than a traditional job. Since it's yeah, a- fantastic. Yeah, you take so many different levels of approach to solving these different issues because I'm sure it's not a one size fits all type of problem. What is the biggest misconception about someone who is homeless? It's too lazy and want a job is a common one you hear or lazy and just need to get a job or that everybody wants to be homeless. Those are the two things that I hear. And I never in my 10 years of working in homeless services and I've worked in LA, Kansas city, San Diego, and now here in Las Vegas, I've never ever met a homeless person that falls in that category. So, and I've talked to thousands upon thousands of homeless. So yeah, that's a, a, miscon- a misperception, but um, it's really easy to get in that cycle. I mean, I was in it for a year and, but for somebody literally offering me free housing, I, I, my homeless journey might've extended beyond a year. So yeah, it's, it's not so easy. And then once you get in that cycle, if you lose your identifying documents, now, because of the Real ID Act, you have to have a birth certificate and social security card, but to order a birth certificate, you have to have an ID. So it's like this loop that you can't get out of. And then in Southern Nevada, you have to have a Nevada ID to get Clark County Social Services. So how do you get assistance if you don't have an ID and you don't have a birth certificate? It's really hard for people to get out once they get in homelessness. And especially the longer they're in it, it's harder to get them out. Um, and as far as the job and lazy, I would say no, they're surviving outside, so they're not lazy. But also not everyone is able to work. They might have disabilities or they might not be um, mentally capable of working a job, a, a traditional job. And so there are agencies that help for free. Uh, homeless get social security disability, and that's super helpful, but it's getting that person to that point where they can even go to those appointments. That is so backward in, as far as our system goes. And I'm sure you're doing a lot of work on the legislative end of this too, mm-hmm. the root of the issue. Through your entire journey with Caridad, 
What has been your biggest win? I think my proudest accomplishment, and I can't take credit because I just was the crazy idea department and did all the report outs, but it was really the collaboration of our community. But ending veterans homelessness, we did that in 2015. We started the initiative in 2014. And then by November of 2015, we got the declaration from Obama and they sent the feds down to uh, proclaim it all. And we had a big ceremony. So I I am proud because we went from a community that was divided and siloed. We wouldn't even share our list of names between agencies, even though we're on the same data management system. So to go from that and see the collaboration that we coordinated between even first responders. I mean, we even had parking enforcement, casino security chiefs all helping us out. And we created a Google voice at the time. So we took turns uh, answering that 24-7, all the street outreach teams, and we got the shelters to change the requirements for entry. So normally, everyone minus the Las Vegas Rescue Mission, the other shelters, you would have to check in and out each day. You wouldn't be able to extend your stay beyond that. But with our veterans, what they did is they extended their stay to the next business day, and they held on to the veterans. And so then come Monday, the VA street outreach team would call, and anybody that had been held, they'd hold on to them till the VA could come pick them up that following business day and they took them there. And so for example, when we first started, um, we created a list of photos and names and we would blast it to anybody that said they wanted to be involved. So we had the D call us um, within five minutes of sending out the email, they had a veteran. About 20 minutes later, the VA got there and then 30 days later, the person was housed. We were able to share that with them. So we actually did at the time get 100% buy-in from all of our community partners. and. I've never seen anything like that to see people that quite literally were hating the homeless and calling the police to sitting and holding on to them until the VA could come pick them up. So it was pretty awesome to see what we did as a community. You've transformed a culture, a community rooted in fear and bias. I think one of the hardest things to do is change a person's mind of their own beliefs. But this is truly a testament to your mission of humanizing the homeless. I think it's amazing how much you give to the community on a daily basis, and we know that we can only give back as much as we've given to ourselves. I'd love to learn more about your toolbox of self-care practices. Absolutely. I have, I would say, three things that I feel like, well, four the hubby is definitely number one. The hubby helps also reel me in. So if you don't have someone, I would almost say you need like an accountability person. If you're like in your life, if you're a single person to just check in on you and be like, Hey, how you doing? Hey, are you working too hard? Cut it off. It's this time Just somebody in your life that'll tell you that and, and speak truth to you. I also have, in addition to my husband, I have a mentor, um, that is wonderful. She's a business mentor, but she's my person too. And she follows me on all my social media channels and then she can send on me regular and then regularly. And then we have our monthly touch bases too, where we powwow and we set goals and re revisit our, the goals that we've set before and just to touch and touch base with me and see how I'm doing. But she also helps me big picture kind of strategize things both for my life and for the charity. Um, and then my final thing is my faith. Uh, actually, no, I said four. So my faith and hiking. So faith, um, I am deeply religious. I'm Christian. I actually went to seminary school to be a pastor. And so I was a pastor for years and years. Um, but they actually taught us self-care. They made us take a whole year on self-care, um, which I think is wonderful. So each morning I do about a half an hour to an hour of my, like just morning meditation and reading and listening to soft music and just getting my head right and ready for the day. And I can tell, I can tell when I haven't actually, my husband calls it out too. He can tell when I haven't done that. And so that just helps center me and calms me down. 
And then also I, I'm big into fitness. So I cut off my day. I either get my workout in first thing in the morning or I cut off my day and set a time. I'll set a timer and I go work out every day. Super not sexy thing that I do. That's really like my, uh, when I come home from a bad day, I get Taco Bell and I watch Bravo. I'm not proud, but I love it. That's kind of a sexy thing. I love thing. some Bravo and Taco Bell. Yeah, <laughs> can argue with that. Taco Bell, that's a that instantly thing. makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool though. I mean, every now and then you have to let yourself do that and indulge. Balance is our best friend. Hey, so I have a lot of listeners who are early on in their entrepreneurial game. Social entrepreneurship is growing and gaining momentum and you've been doing this for 10 years. So what what is some advice for someone who's just getting started with their business? Seekwise counsel. So somebody who's done it before or surround yourself with people that have skills that you don't possess, you know, create an advisory board or a team around you that can support you. But again, like I said, speak truth to you. I said that earlier, some, somebody that can call you out when you need it or say, Hey, you're, you're kind of all over the place, pull it back in. So wise counsel. Also, uh, don't be afraid to get knocked down. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to face obstacles, but be willing to change. So that flexibility will help you endure for the long game. I always joke people see our success and I joke that I'm a 10 year overnight success. They see the big victories, but they forget we've had a lot of uh, knockdowns and I've had knockdown drag out fights. And two years ago, I all but thought the organization was done and the doors were closed. So the fact that we're back today and by next week we'll have 14 people, um, is a testament that, you know, it's, it's a long game, you know, it's not for the, the quick short wins, although those are great and celebrate them. Uh, just be willing to get back up when you get knocked down. You've said some incredibly powerful things right there. Yeah, I already feel energized. I have like chicken skin just hearing you speak and knowing the impact that you've created in our community and just everything that you've had to do to get to this point right here. And so thank you for condensing your knowledge into those sentences. I really do appreciate it. And now I want to give you the opportunity to give the audience a call to action. Don't be afraid to tap out. If you're burnout, be attuned to what's going on with you and around you. And there are times that there are things that are going to happen and it's going to feel like your world is collapsing. It's okay to tap out. Like I give myself time. It used to be in college. Sarah McLaughlin was my jam and I'd put on the surfacing album and I'd cry one whole album, maybe two, two ver or two times of it. Give yourself time to just like scream, cry, whatever. Like that's okay. And that's natural. I've even had when the world shut down because of COVID, I was depressed and it felt like when I was homeless and, uh, gave myself two days in bed to just cry and be sad and didn't turn the lights on and was just in a funk. And then on the, at the end of the second day, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get up and we'll do this again. So give yourself the time and the space to do that. Um, it'll, it'll help you long, long term. Uh, and then the other thing is you don't have to be in Las Vegas to get involved in ending homelessness. If that's your passion, if it's not, that's okay. I always tell people there is a charity and an organization that fits your personality. Even in homeless services, there are dog charities. Some people don't like people and that's okay. There's a dog charity for you. Um, so, you know, find out what's local and get involved in your local community. I, I always tell people you don't have to give to us. That's nice and we love it. But yeah, I'd rather people invest in their own local communities and always Google first people so many times come to me with great ideas and they haven't Googled or done their research. I would say Google, do your research and volunteer first before you start a charity because charity resources, we're always fighting over scraps. There's never enough money. And so to start another one, it might 
put a drain on a, an, an older organization or somebody that has been doing it longer, more well-connected. So always do your research. Uh, don't reinvent the wheel. All really awesome tips. And we are coming to a close now, and I want to give you the opportunity to plug your work, yourself, Carrie Dad, where people can find you and how they can sign up to help. So we are, our website is www.caridadcharity, the word spelled out, so C-A-R-I-D-A-D, and then the word charity.com. Um, or we are on Facebook, and it's Caridad LV, um, and the same with Instagram, and then on Twitter, we are Caridad Cares. So you can go to any one of those and check out our work, check our website, keep up to date. We uh we do videos and we do regular updates. Even if you donate, uh, don't be surprised if you get a shout out. We try to shout out every donation and everything we do. So you can see uh, it goes back to I'm all about 100% transparency. I want you to be able to see that your donations are going to what you intended them to go to. Absolutely beautiful. I want to thank you again so much for your time. Just again to commend you and your team for everything that you guys are doing out here. Thank you, Des, and thanks for having me on the Positive AF podcast. Thank you so much for lending me your time today. If you found a moment of zen through this episode, I kindly ask that you leave a review on iTunes so that this message might reach more people. For daily positivity and to join a community of awesome humans, follow us on Instagram at ThePositiveAF.